0: Welcome back to The Run Home, brought to you by Delivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to you. Coldplay, uh, playing there. They announced just, just the other day, I think, in fact, might have been today, uh, that they are coming to Auckland for the first time since 2016. So they'll be at Eden Park as part of this uh, massive world tour they're doing it, Music of the Spheres World Tour. Uh, and uh, so you can start to get excited about that. Not too excited, uh, because it's coming uh, in 2024, yes, but it's November 13. So uh, only 51 more weeks if you're a Coldplay fan, so I would, I would pace yourself if I was you. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, you are with the run home. Let's take a look at our Macca's menu. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Delivery. We're speaking to Australian rugby journalist Christy Doran with us uh, in just a few moments. We'll look back at the Cricket World Cup, where we have done, we'll continue to look forward uh, to what that result means. Uh, we've got our Monday regulars. We've had the scorecard already, but we still have We Need to Talk, as well as our Take Charge performer of the weekend. Uh, not to mention uh, a little news bite regarding the certain somebody who rocked out with a covers band? And uh, if you caught that action, you'd be mo- most impressed to get that uh, for nothing. And we will have our Chemist Warehouse giveaway for our Texter of the Day as well. That is the Macca's menu brought to you by Macca's. Gets your Mick deliveries delivered straight to your door.
1: This is the Run Home feature interview. Thanks to Mick Delivery.
0: So Rugby Australia has completed stage two of its Reset Axing chairman, Hamish McLennan, the man centrally responsible for the firing of Dave Rennie and the hiring of Eddie Jones. He's been replaced by former Wallaby Daniel Herbert, who alongside CEO Phil War, are now charged with the responsibility of rebuilding Australian rugby. To discuss, friend of the show and one hell of a journalist. and their own right, the Roars rugby editor and Christy Doran joins us. Uh, Christy, the, the writing on the wall for McLennan, very much there from I don't know roughly the moment things went pear-shaped at the World Cup
1: uh if there's a moment in time when you're going to pinpoint where Hamish McLennan lost the states and probably lost uh many of the supporter base back home it was about the time when the wallabies were embarrassed uh in Lyon where I was there and they got hammered 40 to 6 by by Wales but Yeah, there's been several decisions uh, made this year and they've kind of all come back to bite Hamish McLennan and he's been replaced in in pretty dramatic circumstances over the last, uh, well, it started on Friday evening with the QRU Chairman Brett Clark asking him to resign and and 48 hours uh, he gets voted out by the Rugby Australia Board. Unanimous decision, I'm told. And we spoke to to Dan Herbert just a short time ago and... um, you know, he's excited about the opportunity to try to change uh, rugby and put it back on a better standing here, uh, which hopefully, and I'm sure, New Zealand followers would uh, would very much like to see that happen too.
0: No, we need it, Chris. Absolutely, we don't want to see Australian rugby in uh, in peril. Uh, as much as we love holding the Bledisloe Cup, we need a competitive <laughs> neighbour. Don't don't you worry about that combative I think would be a fair description of uh, McLennan's tenure he he just he just couldn't help but starting scraps with everyone around him and I think he mistook uh sticking up for things and wanting to have a fight with with actually getting things done
1: yeah yeah and I agree and competitive is kind of yeah a word for it he he was certainly passionate he kind of came on and the, the the midst of the COVID crisis and the game was about to go under and he managed to secure some really important loans, a, a broadcast deal. he hit the ground running. He took it to New Zealand. I think people appreciated and enjoyed, certainly on this side of the ditch, someone that was putting Australia's interests first uh, after quite a few years of a bit of a malaise and no, that kind of bulldozer approach, I think, started to wear wear thin and increasingly thin. And obviously, you know, this is going to go down as probably the worst year, in, in certainly in the professional era. It's one of the worst years in Australian rugby history. There's no doubt about that. And uh, given uh, his bullish uh, commentary regarding Dave Rennie, uh, he, he certainly. You know, by saying, look, I'd prefer someone that wins rather than, than the kumbaya nature of Dave Rennie, it, it didn't endear himself to, to some of the swing voters that perhaps um, thought, hey, this is pretty high-risk kind of strategy and he's been left with a fair bit of egg on his face. Um, I, I think the decision was made really because Australian rugby couldn't progress at the moment. You know, without a head coach, without a director of, of high performance, some of those roles would have been difficult to fill over the next couple of weeks with him still being there, so much uncertainty in the air. And uh, with Australian rugby and rugby Australia still very much wanting to move to, more, uh, to a more aligned, centralised, whatever kind of terminology you want, uh, the fact that he needed to go because there wouldn't have been that, that trust between the states and the governing body to be able to achieve some of those goals whilst he was there and and Dan Herbert definitely spoke about the need to continue to align so that the wallabies can fire because if they don't, it doesn't matter, you know, the women's game at the moment. It's a priority. But it's what it's the wallabies that really funds the game. And that's the same case across the ditch with the All Blacks too.
0: Absolutely. Listen. I don't think enough credit is given to administrators in particular, but also some uh, coaches who held had the helm of sports that relied on, on being international or at least <laughs> being active during COVID. That was an incredible stage. Uh, and to keep uh, Australia rugby as upright as it did during that period is is definitely something that should be uh, commended. And and I guess Bo's, he did what he wanted to uh, look to achieve uh, in the end there, Chris. He a united um, Rugby Australia, but unfortunately just united them all against him
1: yeah exactly and look look, he you know this is probably a bit of a win once again for the states federated model here um and and dan herbert actually took a long time to ask to answer a question regarding um who's got the power at the moment and and you know he said ultimately well, we serve the community, we serve the Super Rugby franchises. And the fact of the matter is the Brumbies financially are in in, in really poor shape. Uh, The Rebels are in poor shape. Uh, Queensland's finally found their feet after being kind of helped about two or three times over the last 15 years. So financially, there's fires across the entire country. Uh, what's needed now is someone that can uh, negotiate a sh- much stronger broadcast deal. They need to get upwards of, of double what they currently are, which is $29 million. They need to get into the least of the 50 years to be able to give confidence within all the states, be able to fund the grassroots. Uh, we know that there's a couple of big showpiece events coming uh, around the corner on the horizon, but they're short-term fixes and some of the really important uh, things like the grassroots, um, improving the standing of Super Rugby is is essential for Dan Herbert, who's who's worked with the Queensland Reds previously in in a couple of different areas, both commercially uh, as well as as a general manager. So he's got the IP intellect around the high performance. I think uh, it's about ensuring that some of the other areas, particularly the broadcast deal, that he and Phil will work very closely, and perhaps they're going to have to bring someone else onto the board to be able to negotiate that that broadcast deal in the next 12 to 18 months.
0: Now, uh, McLean just couldn't resist himself with uh, with some final results, referring to the fact that Australia rugby is in, despite it being in, in a little bit of a, well, tatters. Uh, He's referred to his ousting as a smear campaign, and his last shot has to be NRL as the big winner out of his departure. It is this whole personal battle with Peter Vellandi's that war that they wanted to, 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 supposedly waging, that distract him too much? In
1: the end, it's something that's counted against him. I think when you put it all together, yeah, I I, I think it did. Uh, Some of the fans and the hardcore fans, and I think even someone like a Dan Herbert, who had and he just spoke to us about, but I, I've been privy to the fact that he's he's not particularly fond of chasing rugby league players. He thinks that if we, and I, and he was part of that great golden generation of you know that won the World Cup in '99 the Lions, Series in, in 01. He was one of the world's best players uh, around that period, and he thinks there's enough talent in in rugby that it's not necessary to go after NRL players and pay a million bucks. Oh, look. I think someone like a Joseph Suwali. I hope he kind of still does come to the game. I think he will succeed. We saw what people like Israel Folau did. He was a three-time John O'Heals medalist and he was a rugby league player. Let's be honest, there's some very good players, Honeyville Williams obviously with New Zealand, that have made great impacts, positive impacts on on rugby union. Uh, I I just think that uh, McLennan uh, and Eddie Jones together, both talking so bullishly and then both, you know, letting, I suppose, the game down with the results not going their way, it, it became a bit of an embarrassment because, you know, Eddie's one moment saying the New Zealand economy is about to sink and the law is going to be lost and then they get put 40 points on them. And, uh, you know, similarly, you know, we're going to win the World Cup. Eddie Jones is the best person to do it. And then you, you win two from nine throughout the year and, and you don't make it past the full stage for the first time in, in your decorated history. So, uh, unfortunately, didn't help themselves. Had the results gone other way, I, I think you'd still be there. Had the Wallabies beat Fiji and they make it through to the quarterfinals, I still think Hamish McLennan probably managed to survive. But given the results, it, it almost became untenable, didn't it?
0: to tell you about right there. Speaking of the rules, rugby editor Christy Doran across on the other side of the ditch now. You've been mentioning, uh, Daniel Herbert's been speaking, you've, uh, you know Phil War too. They know about winning Australian rugby, that's their mentality. Do you have confidence that they're the right people to write this ship, even just get it roughly on track?
1: Well, I don't think it can go much worse, not, not this year <laughs> anyway. And and I, I still think that there's enough talent within the playing ranks at the moment. I, I think where Eddie Jones let himself down this year was putting together the worst coaching team on, on, in Australian rugby history. Like, there was no rugby intellect whatsoever in it. And it was it was a mad scientist approach where he got NRL coaches and AFL gurus and half coaching them more. And, and it all blew up in, in his face uh, so i think that there'll be a much more considered reasoned kind of nuanced approach um we know that dan herbert has always spoken about the fact that it goes far beyond the head coach that you've got to get the the right structures in place from top to bottom but that also includes a, a head of high performance which is what they're after at the moment who will play a key role in in getting the next wallabies coach and who knows, that might come from a, a New Zealand candidate. I wouldn't rule out another foreigner coaching the Wallabies again. I think they'll go after who, who's the best person for that role. They would clearly want someone like a David Musafora to come in as, as a head of high performance. He'll be off contract with, with Ireland in the middle of 2024. Uh, but I just can't see him coming back. He's, he's said it in the past. That he doesn't think it's good to return to something that he's tried to implement change in the past. And you ask yourself the question, who else realistically is in a strong position to take over that role, if indeed all of his coaches are going to be reporting into them? And and it's very hard to count any candidates on your hands. And there's a couple of names that have been mentioned, guys like Billy Millard, who's the Harlequins director of rugby at the moment. He's coached in the United States, he's coached Aussie Sevens, been all around the, the traps. He's definitely... Uh, a candidate, Peter Horn, who's on the World Rugby High Performance Committee at the moment, is another. Um, you know, some people still holding out hope that Ewan McKenzie, the former Wallabies coach, might get back involved. But uh, it's it, it, those couple of key roles are going to be important because there's no way you can have a, head of, a high performance alignment with the states and Rugby Australia unless you get a really good, strong figure there. Because at the moment, there's very little detail around. Who's reporting into who, and and you know they've kind of almost put the cart before the horse uh, regarding their high performance alignment plans. Uh, it's really important that over the next couple of weeks they firm that up. They've got a debt deal which is around the corner. I think will be announced in the next fortnight, where there should be about 60 million come back into into the game, and and they'll pay that off come the the Lions series in in two years' time. So, lots happening this side of of the ditch.
0: Yeah, listen, uh, Christy. Ian Foster's doesn't have a gig at the moment, so uh, if you need a number, um, just send the line afterwards, and we'll we'll pass it on. You can um, you could take that one over to uh, Rugby Australia. We 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 have heard that um, obviously very clearly. Stephen Larkham's been a name. who's a lot of noise has been made around? He himself has said to find it hard to turn down an offer to coach the team. We look at uh, at War. We look at Herbert. Is another former Aussie like that? Someone who again comes in with a huge level of respect, and that level of respect will probably buy them being uh a little being uh like him a little bit of time people be prepared to understand he's not a super experienced head coach and maybe given a bit more grace is that is that the type of attitude or do you see any other contenders really pushing ahead of him
1: mate before we move on to that how good would fozzy be v Robbo, uh razor robinson being a bloodless like that would be how spicy yeah I, I can't see it happening but uh, Stephen Larkins, obviously his name is, is known across the, the rugby landscape. Well, I don't know if he's the right person uh, to be the head coach at the moment. Uh, it would be the easiest solution because he will be off contract with the Brumbies uh, following the 24 Super Rugby season. So it would be a seamless transition across. There wouldn't be any payouts uh, whatsoever. Uh, but I think Dan is still very much in the mix. I've already reported that that he's got a get-out clause where he could come back. Uh, he's definitely a contender. He'd be able to bring on some people uh, and build quite a competent uh, coaching team around him. Guys like Dan Palmer, really, really highly regarded scrum coach. Yet was coaching the four, uh the line out under Eddie Jones this year. Um, uh, Laurie Fisher would come on board. There's 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 some very competent attack coaches both. Uh, in Japan, and here, even a Daniel Hallingar who who knows Phil Wall very well, he's at the Auckland Blues. And um, I, I, look, I, I wouldn't rule out, you know, Joe Schmidt. Who, who knows? Would Joe Schmidt come on board? Um, he's a guy that uh, obviously he's, he's had some family stuff that saw him come back to New Zealand, but he's inching closer, isn't he, to another head coaching role? He kind of distanced himself, came on as a consultant, then came on as an assistant with under Ian Foster and. Someone like him would would absolutely have the pedigree. Uh, whether or not he'd be inclined to do that remains to be seen. But I reckon a, someone like a Joe Schmidt would be brilliant for the Wallabies he because he pr- provide that IP, that that real detail that he that he that he offered Ireland for so long. And and I think he'd be uh, an outstanding appointment, the most experienced of all that I've mentioned. Michael Checker's is still an outside contender, but. Given the disruption and the disunity over the last couple of years, I can't imagine the States going back to check um, so soon after he left in pretty unflattering circumstances at the end of 2019. So I think yeah, McKellar and Larkham are the two obvious picks, but someone like a Joe Schmidt would be outstanding. Well,
0: well, honestly, Grissy, I reckon the chance of getting a well-credentialed, well-heeled New Zealand coach have gone down dramatically after the treatment of, of David Redding. Obviously, uh, Robbie Dean's had it uh had a bit of a rough ride uh and uh you know copped a bit it's you know just in, in, internally if a new Zealander going uh coaching the aussies the aussie tended to, to jump in on him quite a lot david Rennie obviously was yeah. made a the scapegoat of I, I think that a bed's been made to make it difficult listen money talks and opportunity does but yeah i, I can't see it as much as i want to see australia get successful i just can't see a new zealand coach Getting involved uh, to do it at that level, but geez, like you say, the storyline—the yeah. storyline would be amazing. Would be amazing.
1: Well, no one would be content, um, considering it in their right mind whilst Hamish McClendon was, was still there. Now that he's not, we know that Dan Herbert's all about stability, particularly when it comes to the head coaching role. I, I, I think you know, money does talk at times, and um, that. Given given the change of leadership there, I, I, I would imagine that people would reconsider now. But you know we we can't go we can't go back and, and revisit and, and history with with Dave Rennie. His winning record was still only 38 percent. And I know that we we being Australia came close to knocking over France and Ireland last year the uh, the end of season spring tour. But it was the first match that France had played in a number of months. They're generally slow starters. It was Ireland's you know, last game of their awesome campaign. Um, there was no Johnny Sexton who pulled out, basically in the warm-up. So you've got to put these things in the context. And, and I think that the decision to get rid of Dave Rennie uh, clearly proved not right before in the end, but it wasn't without reason.
0: I hear, yeah, nah, 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 nah. uh, The rules rub you uh, into Christy Doran we, we appreciate your time uh, As always and good luck Godspeed in the uh, coming weeks For <laughs> Rugby Australia That was our Macca's feature interview Mick Delivery delivering your Macca's favourite Straight to your door